0: Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my email newsletter via Substack. It's called the Kaka. In it, I look at the political economy in Aotearoa and in and around the world with a special eye on housing affordability, climate change, and poverty reduction. Today, we've got A closer look at what the government has just announced. Late yesterday, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins announced a range of cost-cutting measures to save $1 billion. They included um, saving $568 million by not doing a clean car upgrade scheme. Now, this scheme would have seen uh, a cash for clunkers deal. This is where you hand in your old uh, Isuzu bighorn, which is belching diesel fumes, and you get a chunk of money to spend on either a cleaner car, potentially a hybrid or electric car, or some sort of voucher system for public transport. This would have helped a lot of people who are poorer to reduce their emissions, and it was one of the major measures to bring about a just transition. This is reducing our climate emissions to naught, hopefully by 2050, but uh, it would be nice if it was much earlier. And it involves, you know, weaning people off their cars, or at least their extremely high-emitting cars, into lower-emitting cars or into public transport, cycling and walking. The trouble with uh, these policies are that they're not particularly popular with older, richer, homeowning voters in the outer suburbs of our bigger cities and in our provincial cities and towns. They would prefer not to change their lifestyles and have looked and understand that changing how they live and where they live also changes their financial prospects, because in Aotearoa, the main way to get ahead is to buy a plot of residential zoned land, and if you're lucky, be able to gear it up, leverage it up by taking out a big loan against it, and when the value of your equity, which might only be 30 or 40% of the value of the property, when the value of the property goes up, uh, your gain on your equity is much much larger and it's tax-free. So for most people who have a job most of their savings and their financial surpluses over their lifetimes don't come from saving cash from their jobs or creating new businesses that generate cash surpluses but actually come from simply buying and holding as much residential zoned land as you can. And of course, it's not the actual value of the construction of the house or even the usefulness of the house that's on that land. It is the land itself. So when you're a government wanting to win median voters, who typically are these people in the suburbs with mortgages who benefit from rising land prices, then it makes sense not to pursue policies that encourage people to move out of those suburbs, out of those standalone homes, into medium-density housing, out of their cars and double-cab utes, and into buses or trains or onto bikes or into electric cars, which are more expensive. And also, it encourages governments of both the left and the right to ensure that public debt remains as low as possible and that taxes remain as low as possible, so that those people who have mortgages and own homes in the suburbs have the highest possible disposable income. Now, that's after taxes and after mortgage rates. People in the suburbs know too that when you have the lowest possible mortgage rate, you have the highest possible land price because of the effect of leverage. Whenever mortgage rates go up, you tend to see house price inflation stop or actually go into reverse, as we've seen In the last year or so. So, both national and Labour governments for more than 20 years have prioritised low debt and low interest rates. Because remember, if a government has low debt, then in financial markets, lenders are quite happy to lend it money at relatively low interest rates. And because those government bond interest rates set the base for all interest rates, including mortgage rates, it makes sense for government to have low public debt so that homeowners can have high personal debt and of course that makes an awful lot of sense when your financial futures depend on leveraged tax-free gains on residential land. So that was the main aspect of the announcement yesterday but there were others including the end of a social leasing scheme. This is the idea of people on low incomes being able to lease an electric or low-emissions vehicle, and that saved about $18 million. Elsewhere, the government also announced that it would so-called phase the Auckland Light Rail project. That actually means that it's only going to commit to building one section, so not all the way out to the airport, and that building the entire thing could take as long as it took to build the Waikato Expressway which was 40 years. So essentially the government has pulled back from a commitment to a full Auckland light rail line from the CBD to the airport, which was seen as a, a major part of the extension of the public transport network in Auckland. The government has also removed the small cities and towns from its requirement that Waka Kotahi prioritised emissions reduction in its spending on transport, essentially saying that smaller cities, the likes of Palmerston North, Whanganui, Dunedin, Timaru, Nelson, should not be trying to build their public transport networks and should instead focus their spending on repairing roads and ensuring that drivers get uh, the best value for their fuel taxes. Uh, this is... Um, Uh, part of a long-term strategy of both national and labor to keep debt low, keep interest rates low to um, help those who are looking to make gains from residential land. The other thing that's uh, interesting here is that the government has said, again, both national and labor, that they keep their debt low and keep interest rates low to, quote, save for a rainy day. This is the idea that you have a very solid balance sheet so that when there is a shock, say for example, a global financial crisis or an earthquake or a pandemic or a or a or a shock like the Gabrielle uh, cyclone, that um, you have plenty of money on de- on hand to be able to uh, borrow from financial markets and then spend that to cushion the effects on particularly those most vulnerable and to repair the damage from one of these. Acts of God, so-called. And to be fair to governments of both national and Labour, in the last 20 years, we have seen the balance sheet used on occasion, not as much as it could have been and not for very long, but more than in some other countries. So, for example, in 2008-9, when the global financial crisis was hitting New Zealand, the then national government uh, uh, was able to borrow heavily, to ensure that it kept benefits up and it actually spent quite a bit of money in that time, ironically, on motorways and uh, ensured that the economy uh, wasn't too badly affected. Then in 2011, when we had the Christchurch earthquake, again, more money was borrowed and spent on infrastructure and rebuilding in Christchurch, which made sense. From about 2011 onwards, though, the then national government adopted a very tight fiscal approach with the aim of getting debt back down to under 20% of GDP. This was gross debt under 20% of GDP. And they almost got there uh, before the Labour government came in in 2017. Labour also committed to getting net uh, gross debt under 20% of GDP, and that happened before COVID. Uh, since COVID, um, and during COVID, the Labour government did use borrowing and effectively a strong balance sheet for the rainy day. And the rainy day in this case was COVID. And that has increased uh, debt. The government has increased its uh, debt uh, ceiling from that 20% of GDP in gross terms to a net 30% of GDP in net terms. So that means the assets in the New Zealand Superfund and an ACC are counted and also the debt in uh, so-called off-balance sheet vehicles such as Kainga Aura are also included. And um, this has given the government a bit more flexibility. However uh, it still is nowhere near that 30% debt ceiling and in fact is the current forecast is that net debt will fall around about 20% of GDP right now down to about 15% within three or four years so that's half the debt that could be used. So the idea was and this is the publicly expressed reason for these very tight budget settings and the very low public debt and you may wonder how come it's low I was told it was high. Well New Zealand has a double a plus credit rating our net debt is 20% of GDP other countries with a double A plus credit ratings have anywhere from sixty to a hundred percent of debt to GDP, and we could easily raise our net debt to sixty percent of GDP and not have our credit rating cut. Uh, although clearly interest rates would be slightly higher than would otherwise be the case. So the government has uh, persistently uh, chosen low interest rates and low debt over investing in infrastructure for public transport measures and also for uh, improving the amount of land available for new housing. So from a, a, a median voter point of view, you get the benefits of a uh, lower fuel costs than would otherwise be the case, which allows your lifestyle of living in the suburbs and driving around the city um, for sports events, work um Uh, leisure, Uh, and it also allows you to stay in your suburban home uh, with the backyard, a single uh, storey, single detached uh, family home. And uh, it allows you also to uh, benefit from rises in residential land prices, because remember when mortgage rates are low, that's often the result of not investing in public infrastructure for public transport or for emissions reduction. So the government, the Labour government, has shown its true face this week by prioritising debt reduction and high land prices over spending to reduce climate emissions. And what we have was a promise from a government to save for a rainy day. The rainy day arrived and then it said, actually, we're not going to spend the money We're going to save even more for some other rainy day in future. And we're going to do that by not spending money on the thing that might reduce the number and the violence of the rainy day in future by reducing emissions. Now you may wonder, hang on a minute, uh, that doesn't seem like a great way to win voters who are younger, who care about climate change, who will have to deal with the impacts of climate change and who are um, also keen to get hold of an affordable home, either to rent or to buy. Well, from a government point of view and from a national point of view, those young voters don't matter because they're not in that median voting category of being older, a homeowner with a mortgage in the suburbs, our biggest cities or in provincial towns and cities. If you live in medium density apartments as a renter in the biggest cities, you don't matter. Now, those people who are young renters might say, oh, well, I can can, uh, do my best to try to get the right policies, uh, more climate-friendly policies, more housing uh, 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 affordability-friendly policies, and to reduce poverty, which of course is mostly a function of housing costs, by uh, voting for a party that has various policies in favour of the climate and affordable housing. Now, the Green Party would say that it has that, and the Green Party has a double-digit share of the vote, according to the most recent polls. Uh, And for a lot of people, they have done their job by voting for the Greens. The problem is that the Greens have consistently said that they would never uh, opt for uh, putting in place a national government in any post-election negotiation. So the whole idea of a balance of power in an MMP parliament is that you can credibly threaten the both, both of the main parties to go with the other to extract the best uh, policy outcomes from your platform. And the master of this has been... Winston Peters, New Zealand First, who had the um, uh, the instincts to say, "I will, I could go either way, and you need to give me your best offer, and I will get take the best offer from either, either party." Now, interestingly, in this coming election, he doesn't have that option because he said he won't go with Labour, and it's not clear that uh, National want to meet but uh, certainly um, the Greens are irrelevant and the vote is wasted, because they have no leverage over Labour. Labour can take their presence in a government, or at least uh, the inability of national to form a government with green support. They can take that for granted in any negotiations. So um, it's obviously nice to be seen to play nice, but actually it doesn't mean you have to Uh, adopt any of the green policies. And we've seen that repeatedly in the last six years, even though we've got the Zero Carbon Act. In my view, that's mostly a performative exercise to give people the impression that something has been done when actually nothing much is being done. We've seen that repeatedly with the watering down of the emissions trading scheme in recent months, the failure of government departments to buy electric vehicles The government's own prevarication on creating the clean car electric scheme, and this week's uh, events show by removing the clean car upgrade, by also uh, downgrading plans to limit speeds on various roads uh, to just 1% of the most dangerous roads, which was, as well as a safety measure, a big way to reduce emissions, uh, by essentially saying that provincial New Zealand doesn't need uh, public transport, and um, by repeatedly um, watering down the emissions trading scheme uh, to the point where people in uh, the markets for carbon credits realise this and have driven down the price of emissions trading scheme credits in the New Zealand system to the point where it's less than half that of the international price of carbon credits in, for example, the European and UK markets. So this government is not a government that sees climate as its nuclear-free moment, or at least it it, sees it as its nuclear-free moment, but is doing nothing in reality about it. And for those people who vote Green expecting this would make a difference or that they are uh, making um, some difference in the policy outcomes, while the Green Party has this unambiguous Uh, policy of never allowing a national government um, that vote is wasted. Now people may ask well how am I supposed to vote for a climate and housing friendly policy? Well uh, there are a couple of parties very small parties that may have some leverage in any uh, government negotiation Te Pāti Māori and top have both um, not ruled out going with both of the main parties, and to Party Māori's share of the vote is much more assured because they uh, have at least one, possibly two electorate seats to rely on so that they can bring in on their coattails another one or two MPs, which according to the One News Kantar poll last night would be enough to, to form a government with Labour. So uh, there we have it. Um, the government has declared its hand. It is all about ensuring they get the vote of Ford Ranger Man and the Green Party, which has for now been able to at least hope, pretend, suggest that it's making a difference, has been clearly squashed, rolled over by... Labour's push to get re-elected, which on the face of it seems to be successful for Labor in that recent polls, particularly after the change of Prime Minister, have shown that Labor is in a position to form a government uh, um, with the Green Party, Te Party Mali, and, uh, and or uh, TOP, if TOP were to get in. TOP's currently at 1% in that One News Cantar poll, but is hopeful of getting the Isle Electorate through its leader, Raf Manji. So there we have it. Uh, That is the latest of um, my podcast talking about housing affordability, climate change and poverty reduction Uh, through the lens of the political economy and uh, looking at what the government is announcing, uh, why it's announcing it and uh, what impact it's having on climate change in action, housing and affordability and uh, a poverty reduction. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. I'd like to thank paying subscribers for their support and allowing me to do this journalism, much of it in public. And this email today is in public and I'd I'd welcome you sharing it and putting it out there so that um, we can uh, understand better what's going on in not just our economy but our society. Ka no.